Hey friends, welcome to the Highland Church Podcast. We believe that you were made for God's mission. We encourage you to check out our website, highlandcc.org, where you can learn more about what you are called to in Christ Jesus. Let's hear a message today that we hope will challenge, encourage you, and ultimately help you to grow and identify your purpose in the plan of God. Hey church, thanks for being here today. We're going to start a new series today. It's called On the Way. Those three words are the last three words that end Mark chapter 10. And they begin the last week of Jesus' life when he's on his way to the cross. And so we're going to finish Mark this fall, but we're going to change the focus of the series. And we're going to think together about these most important things that we learn from Jesus while he is on his way to the cross. And of course, that, that phrase, the way, is also the earliest designation by which Christians were known, those on the way. And so we're going to learn a lot about what it means to be on the way with Jesus over the next few weeks. We're gonna be in Mark chapter 11 today and also Mark chapter 12. So if you wanna get out your Bible and turn there, you can. If you're following along with us online, I'm glad that you're here with us. Mark is the second book in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible. And we're in Mark chapter 11. I hope that you'll turn there with us. Um, a couple things that I just want to say before we get going is, is first that I'm so excited about Ted joining our team. I know Ted's here this morning. What a blessing. And I uh, can't wait to have him here officially with us, working with our young people. It was awesome when they announced it Wednesday night to our young people. Really excited about that. And secondly, and he's going to be really embarrassed that I'm going to say this, but Will Bostic, who's running our slides this morning, also scored really highly in the National Merit Finalist uh, Scholars program. And I want to celebrate him. And this is, wh- this is why, though. <clears throat> this is why. Y'all may not know this about Will. Got some friends over here, Will. You may not know this about Will. He's not only really smart, but he's here every Sunday morning, sometimes before me, getting ready for our children's check-in and for our technology to work here in service. So not only is he smart, he's a servant of this church. I'm really proud of him for that. So just want to celebrate him. Let's pray as we get going. God, thank you for your church, your body that's here in this place. I know that there are those who come this morning, whether that's online or here on site, who come um, broken uh, in need of the care and compassion of your community, God, of your people. And I pray that we would wrap ourselves around them this morning. God, I pray a lament, a sorrow about the shooting that took place not far from here this last week. God, I lament the lives that have been forever changed, the lives lost. God, I pray when I see something like this that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done. God, I pray that you would make us instruments of your peace in a world of violence and hurt. I pray that we would have a part in putting back together some of those who've been hurt from this this terrible thing. Mostly, God, I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us, that we would never be far from you, that you would never be far from us, and that you would speak to us this morning through your word. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, I've got the best family in the world. I mean, our, my boys love each other. Lindsay and I love each other, love our boys. And most of our mornings are awesome. We get out the door, going to school, high-fiving on the way out the door. But the other day, we had one of those other kind of mornings. And... Uh, 
you know, we're running late as it is, struggling to get the kids out of bed this morning, struggling to get fruity pebbles in them and get them out the door. And they're dragging their feet about getting dressed. You know, those mornings where you say like, put your belt on 10 times and the belt is still not on. You know what I'm talking about? And we're just having one of those mornings and we're already running late as it is. And then one of my kids has a meltdown. I don't remember the exact cause of it, but he is just screaming and crying, okay? Well, then the other two, who are fine, just start to scream and cry too, because osmosis, like I don't, you know, you're just like by somebody who's crying and all of a sudden you're crying. And so, you know, the noise level in our house is just going through the roof, the decibel level. And so Lindsay and I are very calmly and respectfully talking to each other about what to do at this present juncture. <laughs> now. No, we're snapping at each other in this moment. We're mad at each other because we want to be mad at our boys, but that doesn't feel right. We want to snap at them. That doesn't feel right. So we just snap at each other because that's what you do, right? You've never done that. There's a lot of judgmental eyes out there I'm seeing right now. You've never done this. And so I'm so mad to finally get them in the car and we're driving the car all the way to, the, to school. They're screaming in the back of the car. So you know what I do. I turn on praise and worship music really loud. <laughs> worship Jesus. <laughs> Love him. You know, trying to bless the Lord on my soul up here and you're back there. <laughs> All right, okay. We get to school. I send him into school and I drive to work that day and I'm mad at everybody. I'm mad at my kids. I'm mad at Lindsay. I shouldn't be, but I am. And I'm driving to school or to church. I'm sorry. And I'm frustrated. I get to church and a little while later, I have a, a weekly call with two of my ministry buddies where we check in with each other. And I tell them, guys, you're not going to believe this morning I had. And I started telling them about the morning I had. And then I'm like, yo, I'm so mad. These kids are crazy. And then one of my buddies, he said, Eric, how was your prayer time after that? Well, not good. <laughs> he says, hmm, wonder why. Said, All right. We're going to get to the why, why my prayer time was not good. We're going to get to that. But first, let's talk about the what, okay? Because my guess is that at some point in your life, I don't know if it involved three boys, but at some point in your life, you got crosswise with somebody. You were upset with somebody. You got out of sorts with somebody. And then all of a sudden, you were out of sorts with God. You know what I'm talking about? Like my guess is that at some point in your life, you've had that experience and we wanna know why, but let's just talk about the what. What is happening in that moment? Because Jesus talks about the what a lot, actually. He talks about it at least two times in Mark in, in two chapters, Mark chapter 11, Mark chapter 12. We're gonna look at that today. He talks about it elsewhere in the other Gospels. Paul talks about it in the rest of the New Testament writings. I mean, this is something that gets dressed, addressed sorry, a lot. My relationship to God and its connection to my relationship to others. What is that about? So turn with me to Mark chapter 11, starting at verse 22. And we're going to read starting there. And then we're going to look at the other passage in Mark chapter 12. All right. Jesus says this in Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Jesus responded to them. Let me set this up, actually. Leave it up on, there on the screen, though, if you don't mind. Uh, Jesus has come into town, into Jerusalem. There's a fig tree that's not bearing fruit. And so he curses the fig tree in a prayer. 
and the fig tree withers and dies. And so when he and his disciples come back by this fig tree, Jesus uses this, this fig tree, as a, as a, a teaching lesson, a teaching object. And he's going to teach them a lesson about prayer by pointing to this fig tree and about prayer's power, but also what's necessary for prayer to be powerful. This is what he says. Have faith in God. I assure you that whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and doesn't waver, but believes that what is said will really happen, it will happen. And therefore I say to you, whatever you pray and ask for, believe that you will receive it and it will be so for you. And whenever you stand up to pray, if you have something against anyone, forgive. Forgive so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your wrongdoings. All right, Jesus is describing the what, what I was experiencing the other morning, isn't he? He's talking about prayer. And what's prayer? Prayer is talking or communication with God. And what we know about relationships is that communication is the foundation of any relationship. You know, when I work with couples doing premarital counseling, uh, they do a little assessment before they come to me that helps me to know what to focus on. And so there's all kinds of things we might talk about, um, conflict resolution, families of origin, dealing with in-laws, uh, marital expectations, sexual expectations, all kinds of things that we might talk about. But what we know is we can't talk about any of that until we address what first? Communication. How we communicate is the foundation of any relationship. You don't have a relationship with somebody you're not communicating with. Okay. And the same is true of our relationship with God. Prayer, how we talk to God, is the foundation of our relationship with him. It's one of the things that makes Christianity different than many other world religions is that we can talk to our God. All right. But here's what he says. He's saying that the foundation, the most basic part of your relationship with God, your prayer, your ability to talk to him, that if two things aren't there, your relationship with God is going to be disrupted at its most foundational basic level. Those two things, faith in God and forgiveness of others. Now, he's not saying why that's the case here. He, this is just the what. Okay, this is what I was experiencing that morning when I didn't pray too good after dropping off the kids. Okay, he's not saying why this is the case. He's just saying that if those two things aren't there, faith in God and forgiveness of others, when you try to come before me in prayer, it's not going to work. All right, before we dive in more on this, let me go to the other time Jesus addresses this. This is just a chapter later. This is in Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 29. Somebody comes to Jesus and they ask him this question, what's the most important thing in all of Scripture, the most important commandment? And this is what Jesus says. The most important one is Israel, listen, our God is the one Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your being, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And the second is this, you will love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. I've told you before, I've got this, this thing Lindsay and I do with our boys where we ask them, what's the most important thing? And they say, love God, love your neighbor. 
And we ask them that all the time before they're going to bed, when they're getting out of the car to go into school. What's the most important thing? Love God and love your neighbor. The only problem is they think this means they don't have to love their brother because he lives with me. <laughs> all right, love God, love your neighbor. Okay, pay attention, pay attention here, right? This was a really common question back in the time of Jesus for, that you would ask a rabbi or a teacher. And the question is, sum up the whole Bible for me. Tell me what's the most important thing in all of scripture. And Jesus doesn't say, oh, it doesn't say, oh, it's all equally important. No, he says, okay, I could do that. Here's the most important thing. These two things, you gotta love God and love others. He says, right? Now, do you see the parallel between those two? Let me, let, me, let me lay it out there for you. When Jesus is talking about our foundational, the most basic part of our relationship to him, prayer, he says you got to have two things. you got to have faith in God, and you got to forgive others. When Jesus summarizes the whole Bible, which is essentially the story of our relationship to God, he says, I can summarize it like this. You gotta have two things, love God and love others. Now, you see the parallel, you're smart people. They're not exactly the same thing, but they're closely related, aren't they? I mean, it's gonna be, ha it's gonna be hard to have faith in God if you don't love him, and it's gonna be hard to love God if you don't trust him, you with me? And love for others probably includes more than just forgiveness. I mean, I think it includes kindness and justice and intercession and, and mercy towards those other people that we love. But love without forgiveness? I mean, that's not much of a love, is it? I mean, anybody who's married in here knows that, right? Like love with all of those other things, but without forgiveness is hardly love. So I think if we were gonna summarize these two passages, this is what we, want, we would say. If you desire a close relationship with God, this is what's gonna have to be present. Faith and love for God and forgiveness and love for others. And without these two, well, good luck at your next quiet time. You with me? All right. Now, let's, let's try to visualize what Jesus is saying here. And I think a visual in this case will help. <clears throat> we tend to think about our relationship with God along, our, our, and really our whole lives. We, think, we tend to think about our whole lives, really, in terms of two axes. We've got vertically my relationship with God, horizontally my relationship with others. You've heard that language before. You got my vertical connection to God and my horizontal relationship to others. And what we tend to do is to convince ourselves that those two are not connected. And so I can have a really good relationship with God while being really ugly and mad at other people. Or I could be really great with other people, but be really upset with God, and that's not going to impact my relationship to other people. I think what Jesus is saying is that this idea that the vertical axis and the horizontal are disconnected is wrong. That really our lives are more like a diagonal line that is plotted on this graph, okay? And that the more I love and forgive others, likely the more I'll feel love and faith for God. 
And at the same time, the more my faith and love for God is growing, the more likely it is that I'm going to love and forgive others. That's what Jesus is saying. That this, our lives aren't love horizontally or love vertically, that really our lives are lived on the diagonal, that, that our life is about love in the diagonal. So here's the problem, if this is true. If this is true, I think Jesus is saying that it is, when I have somebody in my life who I have not forgiven, somebody who I am upset with, probably what is going to happen is going to look something like this. <laughs> I asked Russ to make that as dramatic as possible, right? <clears throat> Boom, crash, right? Probably this is going to happen. That's what was happening to me that morning. And I love God a lot. I've got a lot of faith in God. And usually I'm good with other people. That morning I wasn't. And this was what my prayer time looked like that morning, right? It crashed and burned. Okay, what does this mean? You've heard this language before, right? My personal relationship with God. Have you heard that language? That's language churches use all the time. Uh, you know, Christianity is about your personal relationship with God, growing my personal relationship with God. To be clear, Jesus never used that phrase. And sometimes I wonder if Jesus heard us talking about that, and I have talked about that, but I wonder if Jesus heard us talking about that if he wouldn't say that that's an oxymoron, like pretty ugly. Okay. Um, because I think we'd be better off to use language like my social relationship with God. That it's still mine it's still my relationship with God, but my relationship with God is inextricably tied up to my social network, the people I'm around. And that what happens when my social network has a problem, when I get crosswise with somebody, when there's somebody in my life who I can't forgive, well, let's, let's see it one more time. Will, can we see that one more time? Boom, right? This is, this is what happens. Okay. So this right here, is why I'm so drawn to one of my heroes, a guy named Desmond Tutu. You've heard of his name before. Desmond Tutu was put in, in charge of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa following the end of apartheid. Apartheid was a brutal system of racism and violence that dominated South Africa for decades. And when it was brought down, there was a real question about what to do with those who committed terrible crimes under apartheid. And Tutu says there seemed to be only two options. One was blanket amnesty, where everybody who committed any crimes during the era of apartheid would just have those crimes dismissed. We wouldn't bother with them. And the other was something akin to the Nuremberg trials after World War II, where um, Nazis and others were hunted down wherever they were in the world and brought to trial and punished for their crimes. And Tutu talks about like when you're put, when you're put, anytime you're facing these two extremes, two choices, that there is very often a third way. And he felt like South Africa didn't have much of a future with either of those two choices, but they did have this future if they could thread this needle and choose this third way. And so they developed this Truth and Reconciliation Commission, where the offenders from apartheid could come and they could tell the truth and be forgiven. And Tutu describes it as a brutal process, 
really hard process, but the only way forward. In the book that he wrote about it, has anybody read this book? The book is called No Future Without Forgiveness. No Future Without Forgiveness. Now, to be clear, I think there's something there about the importance for those who desire forgiveness to be honest, to be repentant, for um, us to stand in the gap for those who have been harmed. And I don't want to mitigate trauma or wounds or abuse, okay? But Jesus says that without forgiveness, you and I don't have much of a future. That it's going to be really hard for us to have a relationship with God if we can't forgive somebody else. So that's the what. Now let's talk about the why. Why is this the case? And really I want to dig in a little bit more to the why next week. Talk a little bit more about the forgiveness of God. But Jesus is one time, he's asked a question. The question is, Jesus, how many times do I really have to forgive? I mean, forgiveness is really hard. I really don't like it. How many times do I have to do it? And in response, Jesus tells a story. Do you remember the story? The story is about a king. And the king has a servant who owes him a lot of money, something like 10,000 bags of gold. Okay, so this is the kind of guy you don't want to lend to. And uh, the guy who owes the king 10,000 bags of gold is brought in before the king, and the king decides to have mercy on him and to forgive him his debts. But then this servant who has just been forgiven his debts goes out and he finds another servant who owes him about 100 coins, and that second servant can't pay him back, and so he has him thrown into jail. And the first king, the king hears about this and he comes to him and he says, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you appealed to me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? I think this is the why. This is the why there is a connection between my relationship to God and my relationship to others. And this is it. That the foundation of my relationship to God may be prayer but the essence, the fabric of my relationship to God is forgiveness. That I am somebody who has been forgiven an unimaginable amount by the Father. That is the nature of my relationship to Him. And so how can I possibly be in a relationship, the fabric of which is forgiveness? when I can't forgive. I mean, that's like, I mean, that's like trying to put on a shirt, let's say it's made out of wool, when you're allergic to wool. You know, like I'm trying to wear this thing, this warm thing that God has put around me that's supposed to keep me warm and comfort me and allow me to go out and face the world. And I'm itchy the whole time, right? Like it doesn't fit right, right? Because why? The essence, the fabric of this relationship is forgiveness and yet I can't forgive. I'm like somebody walking around being forgiven of 10,000 bags of gold mad because somebody owes me a hundred pennies. How dare I? How dare I? But here's the thing, okay. Forgiveness is really hard. It's really hard. I don't take it lightly. This is how hard forgiveness is. When Jesus teaches us how to pray in Matthew chapter six, what does he teach us to pray for? That we would forgive others because it is so hard to forgive. 
But I'll tell you, it's good for you. I'll tell a brief story here as I end up. A woman from Highland came to me a few months back. She told me a story about her dad. Her dad was really gentle and kind and sweet to her. He would tuck her into bed, read her stories every night, kiss her on the head before he left her room every night until she was nine. And then one night he just stopped. And for reasons unexplained for the rest of her life, was not very affectionate towards her. She's a grown woman now. She's a mom. She goes here to Highland. A few years ago, her dad had two heart attacks back to back, was near death in the hospital. She goes to see him in the hospital, and she finally has the courage to ask him, Dad, why? Why did you do that? Why did you pull back from me? I needed your affection. He begins to weep and apologize to her, say he's sorry. And she said, in that moment, right, like years of holding on to this thing that, to be honest, had always bothered me had always made a mess of things. It had shown up in my marriage. It had shown up in my parenting. It had definitely shown up in my relationship to God. I can't tell you how many times I tried to go to my heavenly father and I was mad at my earthly dad. I can't tell you how many times. And she said, I can't explain it, but somehow in that moment, by God's grace, I forgave him. They're in that hospital room. And he died shortly thereafter. And I'll tell you what. She is a woman who has been changed by forgiveness. She'll, she'll tell you her connection to God is unlike it has ever been because finally the shirt fits right. It's not bothering her. You know, my buddy who, who asked me, Erica, how was your prayer time after that? I said, not good. He said, Eric, <clears throat> you know, I heard some smart person sometimes said this to me and I guess I'll, I'll say it to you. He said, Eric, when we forgive somebody, we set someone free and we find out that somebody is me. <laughs> he said, you can't present yourself to God when you're bound up in chains. And what is prayer but presenting ourselves to God unchained? And I'll tell you, I hate it when he is right. Who do you need to forgive? I'm going to say a prayer over you this morning. God, would you help us in this place as your people to forgive? It is so hard to do, God. But I pray that you would enable us by your power and your grace to forgive those who have harmed us. Because our desire, God, is not only to love them, but our desire is to love you. And if there is anything in my life that is interfering with that, get it out of me, Lord. Help me to forgive, Father, as you have forgiven me. And I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen.